In this episode of the RV Small Talk podcast, we were thinking along the lines of some things that you might want to do while you're out and about in your travels and your camping. And so I reached out to a friend of mine, Mary G. Zell, and we used to teach way back in the day in middle school together. And she was the librarian. And so she was a go-to resource on all kinds of things. But she herself is a camper, a bit more hard, hardcore than me. And she goes out for bird watching. And I think it's time to learn about that draw, about the birds. And maybe we can inspire a few of a few of us to go out there and enjoy, enjoy that activity as well. So with no further ado, welcome to the RV Small Talk podcast, where we talk about lightweight trailers, truck campers, and the people, places, and adventures that go right along with them. We are your hosts from Princess Craft RV. I am Clint. And I am Lindsay. I know, but I was scared because there wasn't PJ here, so I didn't want to mess it up. Let's try that again. I am Clint. And I don't think I've ever watched a bird for more than 10 seconds. Ooh, we're going to fix that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) If you would like to see show notes for this episode or other episodes that we have had in the past or that we will record in the future, head on over to (laughs) rvsmalltalk.com. Find us on social media. Just look up RV Small Talk. You will find us. And we are on YouTube at RV Small Talk Podcast. So you have the places to find us talking about the things. Wait, wait. I can listen to future podcasts, ones that haven't been recorded yet. In the future, you'll be able to listen to future past podcasts. Oh, okay. I thought you were like (laughs) you had found a wormhole and you were using it specifically for this podcast. Oh, speaking speaking through the annals of time. So there it is. There it is. I would like to mention that we do have two really cool rallies coming up. So check them out. If you're if you are into trailers at all, I would suggest you look into the Texas Tiny Trailer Rally that has a website. Just look it up. Texas Tiny Trailer Rally. It is a free rally. All you do is pay for your campsite with the RV park. You don't have to pay for the rally itself. So it's it, we're going to have events and all kinds of stuff. Check out TexasTinyTrailerRally.com. If you're into truck campers, we have Texas Truck Camper Rally. Same deal. Just look it up and join us. You don't even have to have a tiny trailer or a truck camper. You just have to think they're neat. That's it. It's true. It doesn't matter what size it is, where you bought it from, how old it is. Come join us. We have live music, beer and wine tasting, camper tours, tech help, uh, and a lot of hanging out with some cool people. Campfires. It's, it's a beautiful place because it's in Bandera, which is supposedly they call themselves, build themselves as the cowboy capital Yeehaw. of the world. And yet I mostly see Harleys. It's true. There's a lot of motorcycles <laughs> in Bandera, but it's a free rally. So check it out. Texas tiny trailer or Texas truck camper And I would be remiss to leave out that Lance campers is a huge sponsor every single year for these rallies. They have helped us to pull it off for, I don't know, the better part of 10 years. It's true. Lance campers, they make incredibly well-engineered, well-designed uh, campers. They started off in the truck camper business, which means that they built a very sturdy, rough and tumble unit and then they decided hey let's decide let's design some to have wheels and they've done a bang up job with their trailers as well through the years so Lindsay, do you have thoughts on lance 
I, I do. You know, I think one of the first things I learned about Lance is uh, they're generational campers because they last so long. They're they're so well built that you are going to pass it on to your mm-hmm. kids. And I think that's really cool in the world of RVs where everything just kind of is shaky and, and breaks. Uh, Lance has really stood the test of time and they have so many floor plans. They literally have something for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I, I enjoy the Lance brand. I think the 1985 is my favorite. What's yours? Um, you know, what is their what is their their truck camper that fits my half ton pickup? Is this six fifty? Six fifty. Yeah, I have hauled that on my half ton pickup. Really, and it was delightful. You uh, are a truck camper type of guy, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Now. Let's wrap it up on the Lance piece. Lance, thank you so much. We we love you and we appreciate what you do for us. But we need to we need to stop making Mary G feel uncomfortable because she doesn't know anything about RVs. <laughs> <laughs> so so Mary G, as I just segued into you not really doing much with RVs, you we're gonna get into the bird watching and birding. You have camped extensively across I think the whole nation. Is that correct? It's true. Um, it started when we were first married. Uh, I was still in grad school. We were living on a shoestring and uh, we finally could afford a car. Mm-hmm. And when that occurred, you know, we had freedom to go places. The world was so, your oyster. <laughs> yeah, we pretty much threw a tent in the back and a couple sleeping bags and a couple Ensolite pads and we headed out and it was wonderful. Did you camp before that? Um, like when you were a kid, did you ever no, go camping? No. no? <laughs> okay, okay. My mother was very much a motel kind of woman. Uh-huh. Um, no, I had never camped until I got to college. And of course, as a geology major, we took a lot of field trips. Sure. And so camping was the order of the day. And the first time I camped, I didn't have a real sleeping bag. And it was Wisconsin Ooh. in the autumn. And Ooh. I froze. So and got, myself a, for you. got myself a real sleeping bag. And from then on in, I was in. But we like to do things like hike and you know, look at the rocks and look at the wildlife and. Right. Now I forgot, I had forgotten that because I knew way back when that you started off with a geology major background Uh and all that. Uh What's Mark's background? He's a geologist as well. Okay. That's right. In fact, he did it longer than I did. He retired uh, from it. Okay. So when you're camping and doing these trips, you're not just looking up at the birds, you're looking down at the ground. (laughs) Wow. Everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, there's a bird. Ooh, there's a rock. Yeah. In fact, one time um, people I was with were getting really frustrated. I happened to be somewhere where the fungi were all in bloom and they were gorgeous. Uh I'm down there taking pictures. Right. And we're going, uh, the birds are up there. Uh, <laughs> is that right. something that it might be a silly question, but is that something that geologists do? Do you just like walk on a trail and go, ooh, look at that rock? <laughs> Isn't I mean, it neat? Don't you think this makes my collection complete? <laughs> is that something geologists well, there do? Are, there are a lot that collect. Um, I don't have a collection. Um, I did a lot in my master's. I was a paleontologist, so I did a lot with fossils. Yeah. And uh. I did not collect them. So, you know, uh. a lot of the places that I go, you're not supposed to pick up right. samples. Right. Something like state parks and national monuments. Right. You're supposed to leave that stuff there. So I enjoy it in place. You look but at it. Yeah. I look at it and say, oh, that's cool. Well, I just had to explain to my seven year old son the other day that a paleontologist was a real job and like what they do. He's sold. He was like, that's a job. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a job. But, this, but he, he kind of fits because his name is Hawk. Mm-hmm, it's true. And he should go into geology and paleontology. He's got to do something nature, yeah. nature, nature related. related. I think so. There you go. Or I a superhero. So. We're, we're between the two <laughs> right now. He? He's seven. Oh, fun. Yes, he's very fun. <laughs> yeah, he's got some creativity that oozes out in every moment. <laughs> <laughs> so camping has mostly been tent camping. And still, right? Camping is exclusively tent camping. Always. Have you ever stayed in a trailer? No. Really? Never. Cabin? Cool. I don't think so. Have you ever camped without a tent? Like, have Uh, you ever? Mark has. Really? Mm -hmm. But uh, he's more hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) He he goes up to um, Grand Canyon of the Gunnison in Colorado yes. and does winter camping under a tarp. Yes. And I'm like, uh, what? no. See, Gunnison, Gunnison area is where I go in the summertime with my family to go fly fishing and all that mm-hmm. because they're good at it and I can go like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he, he has seen lynx and all sorts of cool animals Oh, wow. There. wow. In fact, the first time we saw a bobcat, I'm going, it's a bobcat. He's going, that's not a bobcat. And I'm looking at him like, you know, that's that a bobcat. Is a bobcat. <laughs> But yeah, wow. he had seen a lynx, so he was confusing the two. Sure, sure. I, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I mean, in the snow, I only know it's a bobcat if it's where I am in Texas. Right. <laughs> that's a good clue. Yeah. Well, you know, inverting, that's one of the first rules. Where are you and when are you? Because then you know oh. what to expect. Okay, so we, we're going to have to, she's sitting oh. on like multiple places on I my know, question this list. this is so, so interesting. <laughs> inverting, that's what it's called? Birding, bird watching. Oh, that's, birding. I thought you said the rule was called inverting. And I was like, oh, all right. That's the first rule in birding. Yes. Got it. When the bird is upside down. <laughs> it's invert it's the bird. much more challenging. And they so, often are, as a so matter of fact. How oh, did, no. I mean, you started off basically in, in college doing the geology piece and then the paleontology piece and, and forgetting that you don't actually have a sleeping bag and cold environments and all that. How did it come cir- circle around to being bird watching? When did that enter the picture? Uh, bird watching entered the picture when I was getting my master's in geology because my roommate was a biologist. Ah. And we went out birding together. And it was actually pretty funny because we were in Kansas. She was from the East Coast. I was from Chicago. We didn't know what the birds were that were in front of us. So I oh, had I the guidebook. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and she's leading me. And, and we see this phenomenal bird. And, and she's going, Mary G, look up this. Well, please say as a turkey vulture. And I, and I look it up and I'm like... <laughs> No, that's not it. She goes, okay, look up this. And I look it up and I said, no, that's not it. She goes, look up a cuckoo. I said, Gail, that's a bird in a clock. And she goes, look up the dang bird, Mary Jean. And I did, and that's what it was. That's it, what was, it, was? it was a yellow-billed cuckoo. No kidding. So <laughs> I I had no cuckoo's a real bird. No, yeah, no. see? Now I thought I it was just in a clock. Because, you know, city girl from Chicago, you know, right. a cuckoo was a something cuckoo. in a clock. So. Or a, a crazy person. Yeah. You're a cuckoo. Exactly. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, did you actually have to, did, was there all the exclamation points? Was it that loud or were you quietly having this transaction? We were quietly having this transaction, <laughs> although it wouldn't really have mattered because cuckoos are fearless. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> they have on occasion scared me out of my skin when I didn't know they were there and they let loose and I levitated off the ground. Are they, are they super loud? <laughs> they are very loud. They can be. And do they make the clock sound, the cuckoo I mean, are they named like a Bob White where it sounds like they're saying Bob White? Not that I know of. But I I mean, the hard thing is that birds can easily have 20 to 50 different calls. And so if I know one, I can't tell you if it also makes this sound. Because I did not learn sounds 
when I learned birds, which okay. puts me at a distinct disadvantage these days. Um, so I rely on technology to help me with that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta see the bird. <laughs> so, so the pros, they're they're locating, they're echolocating, if you will. They're using their ears as there much as their eyes. There are people who bird by ear. Wow. Yeah. And that's a phenomenal concept to me because oftentimes, like with a sparrow, you get a chip note. They all sound alike <laughs> <laughs> to me and to those people who know, oh, that's a Savannah sparrow. What? <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. There are people who do bird that way. I, I kid a friend of mine that her ears should be registered with the FBI. <laughs> that's awesome. So do you plan trips just for bird watching? I have. Um, How do you go about doing that? When we moved to Texas, um, I, I wasn't really seriously into the birds. And um, I kept hearing that there were a lot of cool birds in the valley. Yes, I've and heard that too. Yes. Well, as my husband says, birds in the valley come in technicolor. They, they are phenomenally bright. It's the northernmost extension of the range of a lot of birds that mm -hmm. are in Central and South America. So right. you go to the valley and you see things that you'd never see up here. So there, there's a different bunch of birds that migrate from the south on up versus the north on down? Uh, well, migration is different. Um, there's a, a range that a bird has and uh -huh. then there's migration. Migration is something totally different. In the spring, um, in fact, migration technically has started. Uh, birds from Central and South America pass through our area because we are on one of the main flyways. Mm -hmm. um, and so we get to see birds in the next month or so that we would never see at other times of the year. So that's really cool because they don't breed here or right. Or, they're just, right. they're just passing here. through. Right. Exactly. They're the migrants. We're like a road stop. We're like a Bucky's. So exactly. <laughs> so it's really cool to go out during migration because you see some fun stuff. But then um, there are birds that migrate short distances, you know, like from central Texas to southern Texas. Right, right. And then there are those that do the 5,000 miles at right. a shot. Something really epic. Right. Like okay. an Arctic turn. So, yeah, there, there's and everything in between. And there are birds that don't really migrate at all. They just like where they are and they have so, enough food all year round and life is good. So there's a little bit of a timing and location. Yes. And so... When we decided to go to the valley, I started doing my homework and seeing, you know, what is it likely we're going to see and where can we go to see it? And so we planned a trip going to various state parks and various parks will do birding walks that are led by volunteers who know what they're doing, and know mm -hmm. what the birds are in that location. And so we did a lot of that. And sometimes you go to chase a bird and you don't find it. And that's fine, too, because, you know, the darn little things fly. It's oh, so yes. Irritating. I, <laughs> so <laughs> it's true. Do you, do you ever feel like disappointed or sad when you go out to see a bird or is, are you? If I've gone to a lot of effort to chase it, then yes. But I'm pretty fortunate. Most of the time when I put a lot of effort into chasing one, we have found the, the bird. bird shows up for right, you. Right. Okay, so can you explain to me what you do when you see a bird? Do you, how long do you sit there and watch it? Uh, that's dictated by the bird. <laughs> but if, the, if the bird stayed there for like the two hours, would you just stare at it for two hours? No. Okay. I personally would not. I, I'm sure there's some who would. I'm sure there's I don't really understand how bird well, watching works. Well, there are a lot of different ways to bird watch. Um, many photographers get into bird watching sort of accidentally because they see these things and they want to know more about them. Um, 
then there are those like me who can't be bothered to take a camera along and just want the experience. Just want to look at it. Watch its behavior because that's what's fun for me. Okay. Um, What about Mark? Does he, is he Mark got into it um, through me and for a while he was pretty into it. And now he's sort of saying, yeah, you go on that one by yourself. So, uh, so now it's mostly me, but um, he is a very good photographer. And especially when I was I seem just to remember getting that. started, um, he would take a picture of a bird for me so that I could go home and key it out because I, I didn't have enough knowledge to know mm-hmm. what kind mm-hmm. of sparrow I was oh, looking that at. That sounds like teamwork. So yeah, he's a, he's a, oh, and he's an excellent spotter. If I could choose one person to go with me when I'm chasing a bird, it'd be him because he'll say, it's right over there. And I'm like, where? (laughs) Have you considered bribing him? Yeah. Oh, yes. He's bribable. This is a good thing. (laughs) So, yeah. But there are many different ways to birdwatch. I did the casual birdwatching thing for many, many years. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. wonder what that is. (laughs) Sure, sure. Just around your residence, parks, local hikes. And now I go to a lot more effort. I go on guided bird walks. I've taken several classes. In fact, I'm just about to finish the Master Birder classes through Travis Audubon. Master so, Birder? Yeah, don't go there. <laughs> well, oh. Okay. That is not a shout out. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait for somebody to throw that in my face. What do you know? What do you mean you don't know what that bird is? You're a Master Birder. Uh, no. <laughs> All that right. is so cool. So you... Mention the valley. What are some yes. other cool places that you've explored or where cool well, birds can be seen? Here in central Texas, I feel like I'm ideally situated because I can go east and hit High Island and Galveston and the Bolivar Peninsula. Um, High Island is like Mecca in the birding world. Really? really? There are two ways for birds to migrate to our area from South America, they can either go circumgulf and follow a land route, or they can go transgulf and cross the water. Now, when they do that, they're in for an 18-hour shift of nonstop flying, and if some sudden cold front comes, they can be downed and die in in the ocean. So, migration is a very costly thing for a bird, so there has to be a strong incentive to do it. But anyway, oftentimes High Island is one of the first spots of land that they see. So they come down and they down. drop. Wow. And so High Island is Mecca in spring migration. So you go what? there and you see all these beautifully colored warblers and it, it's And they're wonderful. extra chill because they're tired. Exactly. <laughs> they're like, I'm just not running away. Yes. <laughs> Take as many pictures stop. as you want, bud. Yeah. Surpassing uh-huh. out honey roasted peanuts. <laughs> yeah. So there's wow. High Island to the east, to the west, and so that's about, from me, it's about three hours. Um, that's easy access. Yes three hours to the west and I can be at a park, a state park called South Llano River. Yes. And that is another fabulous place to bird. Um, five or six hours and I can be down in the valley. Mm-hmm. And then I've got all these parks nearby. So, um, and there are state parks, county parks that are all good for birding. Do you use those pretty extensively? The I do. State parks, um, even the fact, CCC I, parks? I even use Creekside here in Round Rock. Right. Um, not that I want to advertise that because it's this little <laughs> gem that not many people know about. I only discovered it because I was driving down 620 one day and I saw people walking behind the businesses. I'm like, what is back there? So right. I go to look and there's a park there. 
with a trail that goes like a mile in. Uh, the so. trails in Round Rock are they're they're fun because they're connected, but they're mm -hmm. also tucked away a little bit. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to know, but once you know. So I've even seen an owl out at Creekside. Love it. That was cool. Owls are oh, so cool. Oh gosh, I love, I love owls. Yeah, and then Granger Lake to the yes, north. Yes. Um, is a fabulous place to bird. I've seen shorter owls out there. I've seen lots of meadowlarks and sparrows and. Um, this year I saw a mountain plover there, which was a lifer for me. That's what we call it when we haven't seen it before. It's a lifer. A lifer? Mm -hmm. a, a mountain lifer plover. Plover. Mm -hmm. What does a mountain plover look like? Um, very dingy. Not ah. exciting. Ah. Not exciting at what, all. What My kind of bird. <laughs> yeah, but, but what was really neat, I saw a video of them, like, you know, a flock of 20 or 30 and landing in an agricultural field. And the photographer is saying, yeah, I thought when they landed, I'd get a really good look. And I'm watching this video and they disappear. Right. They're so well camouflaged. Right. And I'm, I'm looking going, if I had not seen that, I would not have believed it. <laughs> if the dirt but looks like it's moving. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So, yeah. Incredible. Amazing. So, uh, well, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> See, that's where I have to edit the video and the audio both. <laughs> <laughs> so if... If you've been here birding for, for a while, how are you doing on seeing all the Texas birds? Oh, uh, not even close. Not even close. Um, there are approximately 11,000 bird species in the in world. Texas? Oh, in, in Texas? In the, the world. world. <laughs> okay. Um, in Texas, oh, I don't have that number at my fingertips. Um, but in all- Probably a lot. Most people <laughs> I know who are good birders have more than 700 and so i have been wanting 700 for the longest that's, that's time what you're 700 for. species does that mean that you joined the 700 club <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so how so, many are you at well it's funny i was celebrating earlier because i hit 700 <gasps> But then eBird did a reclassification and took off six of my lifers saying they were exotics and wouldn't count. And I'm like, wait a minute here. Oh, oh no. You, you got robbed. So I'm back at 693. You're the Pluto of the birding world. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so exotics, what do you? Meaning um, an exotic can be a number of things. It could be a bird that's been released in an area where you wouldn't normally expect to find it. So it doesn't or, count? Like the random parrots you see around? Well, that depends. If they, if someone releases a couple and they become a viable population, then yes, they are countable. Wow. If, if someone releases one and you happen to see it and that's pretty strange. It's an exotic and it doesn't count. So that's basically how it works. I'm gonna I'm gonna write a strongly worded email. <laughs> you know what? I took a picture of the screen when Give it, it showed seven hundred. There you go. <laughs> Nobody will know. So I was there, but she doesn't not always anymore. have her camera, but not for anymore. that occasion. Yeah. <laughs> Whipped out the phone and said, Look at this. So and then, you know, less than a week later they were gone. Oh my gosh. I'm so sad for you. I just, <laughs> it's just a number. I just love doing it. You're going to get back to 700. Eventually. In no time. Next so week, probably. Do you actually prefer a type of place? You mentioned several places in very different areas of Texas. Yes. Do you have a preference of a place to go in Texas or, no, or I'm, beyond? I'm up for just about anything. Um, in fact, on any random day, I'll say, you want to go for a walk? My husband will say yes, thinking we're going to walk the neighborhood. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to go somewhere fun. And he's like, oh, geez, you're going to tell me we're going to drive to walk somewhere? And I say yes. Yes. 
So because there are, there are yeah. certain tucked away spots that are always good. Right. And the walk is different. Yes. And some of them are amazing. There's one in Wells Branch that's pretty much in the center of an industrialized area. Mm -hmm. And when I when I first read about this place, I went, there's no way. But at two times of year, that is the place to be because there's a pond there. And during migration, the birds drop for some water and some food in the trees. Is there like a local watch group like here they come? Notify the people who care. Um, Do you have a special alarm? There, there are. Um, you can be on alerts. But the main thing is something called eBird. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Uh, it's just a, now. It's a huge global database started by the Cornell uh, Ornithology Lab and Audubon. And at first it was just North America. And people, the idea is when you go somewhere, you say where you are and you make note of what you see and it all goes into the database and through that we have learned so many things so it's it's called citizen science it's a way for your average joe blow to I make a difference i actually saw that right. term for the first time on wikipedia a few hours ago when i was preparing my questions <laughs> so, but it's cool citizen so science. in fact that's how i know my list and know uh -huh. if i've seen something or not is because of ebird so uh, they had a way where you could transfer all the birds you had seen prior to eBird starting, which mm -hmm. I think was like 2002, um, into eBird. And then from then on. So I can look up a bird and say, I've seen it four times. These are the places and times where I saw it, which is really <sighs> that is your record for you. Right. So nice. that is all my my data at this point. When I first started, I bought my field guide and and the golden guide to birds and would write down where I saw it really right. carefully. And now it's all eBird. But I can I can understand how that would be super helpful, too, because it's not like just one group of people can go around and exactly. see all the birds. So that way you can track. Right. You can oh, see the, the bird movements. was here. And now all of a sudden we're seeing a bunch of them mm -hmm. here. And and because it's migration, there's a huge focus now on lights out um, mm -hmm. when it's dark, because the, the number one thing that kills birds is building strikes. Um, Flying into windows? Yes, windows and buildings, and oh. um, and the lights distract them when they're right. migrating. Right. So there's a huge lights out um, campaign going on during migration. So but, I actually have uh, a yeah. question about that kind it's of It's on the, the front right here. Oh, is it? Um, <laughs> H1. What, yeah, other, uh, other than lights out, which yeah, makes a lot of sense. What other, have you noticed any changes in birds' behaviors or anything as far as sure. human activities, urban oh, sprawl, things like that? Are, How is it different now? There are huge changes um, because of climate. Mm -hmm. um, two major things. The number one uh, factor leading to extinction of a species is habitat loss. Yeah. And every time we pave a road or, you know, turn something into an ag field or, mm -hmm. you know, we're taking away whatever used to live there. So it makes sense. Uh, since 1970, I think we've lost 30 percent of all birds. 1970. Worldwide? Yes. Just U.S.? Worldwide. Ooh. Wow. So, um, it's staggering. And there are things that no one will ever see again. Right. You know? So there's things that we don't even know we lost. But but there are things you true. can do um, just as a single person. You can um, 
You could put out a shallow pan of water for birds. You could feed them. Uh, you can keep your cats indoors mm -hmm. because after building stripes, feral cats are the number two cause. Right. Really? They're, they're, they're the cleanup Done. crew. Yes. My cat does not go outside. I mine promise. does not either. I love <laughs> cats, but mine does not go outside. Nope. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a lot of things we can do. But uh, I joined Travis Audubon when I started getting serious about birds because they lead walks all over the place. So you can just show up at a beginner walk and, and borrow a pair of binoculars and say, show me some cool stuff. Yeah. And they will. So um, anyway. So we, this is, to me, I, I, can, I like this because my family does really like going on hikes and all, but I don't have a background with birds and all this. I'm getting information and all that. But it also seems extremely low impact mm -hmm. and extremely low cost to entry. The, right. the barrier to entry on birding is lower than pretty much any other hobby out there. <laughs> right. And during COVID, a lot of people started birding because it was something you could do outdoors and not have to wear a mask. Right. Right. So um, I have a brother who lives in Minnesota. He said it saved his sanity every single day. He went outside to bird. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so how does how what are the general rules of birding so you say you're walking down a trail is there a certain way to like walk or is it is, one foot in front of the other is it, or is it a side <laughs> shuffle are you allowed to talk do you point when you see a bird is there a special signal if, if you're looking for waterfowl do you have to duck walk <laughs> waddling helps waddling yeah. or is bird watching really just walking around till you find a bird and it's then look just at it walking around um Usually we try to be fairly quiet if we're trying to look for a bird because you'll leave the kids at home. Got it. No, actually, um, I love seeing <laughs> just kids on bird butter. walks. Um, they handle binoculars just fine, too. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a great way to introduce them to nature, I think. And make them shh. Yeah. Shh, you You're a librarian, though. You're used to that. Shh. No, I never did much shushing. No? I can I can attest to that. You're not a shusher? A noisy library is a good library. It's been well used. Uh, oh, my gosh. That's my, the best quote I've ever heard. My classroom one semester, one year was right across <laughs> the hall from her library, and it was the most active, joyful place on the campus. Oh, thank you. Even more that. than the cafeteria. <laughs> but that's always the most joyous. And, and you would think, because there's food. There's and, food. But no, uh, that was, a, from memory, that was no. fantastic. I'll pay you later. Uh, you know, <laughs> no need to. That's I got awesome. I got that, that year across the hall from you. <laughs> That's so. awesome. All right, back to birding. Uh, so, yes, very low cost to enter. Um, I would say there's an app you can put on your phone that will help you uh, called Merlin. Mm -hmm. And Merlin is my friend, too, because I'll turn it on when I'm hearing something and not knowing what I'm hearing. And it'll give me options and just off the sonogram. Wow. Yes. So you just hold up your phone, I hold up my phone and I say, sing away, Sonny. And uh, it's magic. Now, That's you have to use technology. it in conjunction with some knowledge, because right. I mean, I've been walking <laughs> in the woods when it's told me here's a duck. So, you know. <laughs> Like, no, that's just my feet. But um, and it wasn't a wood duck, which you'd expect in the woods. But <laughs> anyway, Merlin is a great help. Um, I have the eBird app on my phone too, so mm -hmm. all I have to do is turn it on. It pinpoints my location for me mm -hmm. and says, "Oh, you're here." And tracks, look for these things. Tracks what time I started, what time uh -huh. I finished, and give me a list of possible suspects. Oh man! Yes, it's excellent. 
Technology is crazy. Um, Of course, if you're in an area where you have no cell reception, it can be a little iffy. And if that's the case, I just keep a list on my phone and transfer it when I get back. You record noises and then... Uh, I don't usually record. I did uh, once fairly recently because I was after a woodcock and they make a very distinctive sound. And we went to a a place called Commons Ford Mm -hmm. Park, um, Southwest Boston, and got there at just the right time. And I'm sitting there waiting, waiting, and I heard it and I went, Mark, is that it? He's like, (laughs) I think so. Well, Merlin tells me it's a mockingbird. And I'm like, that's not a mockingbird. (laughs) So I, I actually recorded it and uh, Merlin was eventually convinced that yes, that was a woodcock, but okay. uh, but it was so cool because it makes this ping, ping. I was going <laughs> to so, ask for a demonstration, and I didn't think she was going to do too. it, but she just offered it right on. That up. was yeah. wonderful. So so mockingbirds, what's your take on them? Oh, I love mockingbirds. Um, mockingbirds are mimics, mm-hmm. and what they will normally do is. Um, mimic every other bird around them or every bird they've ever heard. That seems annoying to a bird watcher. Well, it's funny because (laughs) the tip off is that they usually do between three and six repetitions and then they change. So you just wait Ah. for the change. But it was funny. I was on a walk once and the leader of the walk is going, yep, now it's a goldfinch. Now it's a house sparrow. (laughs) Now it's a, she just called them all off as the mockingbird was going. Do they have their own unique call or is it all con artist um I that's a good question Clint. the only ones i know they are mimicking but i don't know if they have and it's own. the that's state bird of texas we, we just have a con artist bird as our state we bird do. <laughs> but you know he just he's such a delightful bird and it's fun to watch him because if you ever watch a mockingbird at the top of the tree, mm-hmm. they'll go sing, 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 sing. And then they'll stop to leap up, catch a bug, come back to the same perch and just start sing, sing, sing again. <laughs> You're like, wow, that's cool. They're kind okay. of little clowns. Yeah, they're, they're not so con fun. artists. They just have multiple personality disorder. And they're borrowing everyone else's personality. And they, they it's, can also it's, multitask. It's, I it's love these bird, birds. Bird appropriation. Bird appropriation. <laughs> <laughs> it is not exactly bird appropriation. <laughs> Okay, I want to hear, like, what's your, like, bucket list bird or birds that I have not seen or that you've seen? Well, I have a favorite bird. Okay. um, Which is pretty funny because most birders don't but um i think the scissor-tailed flycatcher oh yeah is the coolest bird growing ever. up they they amazed me i always saw them at my grandparents ranch just from an engineering perspective you look at that bird and you say that should not be able to fly because the tail is twice as long as the body and it forks and when you see it take off you know you think oh that's going to be a really cumbersome flyer no, no it's no. a flycatcher it just darts right. and dips and and the male has this pinkish right. blush on right. his breast, and I just think it's the most fabulous. I grew up ever. loving them and barn swallows, the blue oh, ones. Yes, I love them it's because they were also on, at the ranch, just building their nest right mm-hmm. underneath the eave, and they're beautiful. And they're flycatchers as well, just well, all over. Yeah, they're swallows, but they they are very aerodynamic yes my husband likes them because they fly so well and yes. they, you know he'll say oh she pulled a few g's there you know and he's watching it go <laughs> right it's so right. fun i i i loved him i i was like i said i haven't really done any bird watching but growing up as a kid i built a lot of plastic models of 
all kinds of things. Sure. And my parents would get me bird plastic models as uh-huh. well. So th- that's where I found the love for the barn swallow and the Oriole and all that was because mm-hmm. I was building them and hanging them on my wall. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know. Nerd. I know. Nerd alert. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>, I know. <laughs> so what what is a bird that is on your bucket list that you haven't seen that oh, you would just well, I, love to see? I've actually made two trips to Central America and I was there at the wrong time oh, no. to see the bird that I really wanted to see, which is a resplendent quetzal. It is the national bird of Guatemala. It is also seen in Costa Rica and other places down there. Has a fabulously long emerald green tail and a resplendent 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 quetzal. Ka- quetzal. We we're gonna need to put a picture oh of this my in God. the show notes. <gasps> it's beautiful. It is. It, Look to the show notes, has, everybody. It has jewel tone collars, and it is just gorgeous. Oh, and by the way, the males are almost always the pretty ones in the bird world, and the females are rather drab. Do you know why that is? Because they attract the females. That's part of it. That's okay. one half. Okay. okay. What else you got? The other half is that the females are usually the ones on the nest and need to be camouflaged. Ah, that is. That makes a lot of so sense. The male See, wants again, smart to be females. Flaunting everything yeah. he's got. Super <laughs> females. Yeah. And the female wants to be very subdued. So right. say, now there are um, there are birds that don't have sexual dimorphism where the male looks just like the female, mm-hmm. and there are also birds where the female is the beautiful one and the male is the drab one, and that's the case where the male incubates the eggs. Do we have any of those in Texas? Sure. What do we got? Uh, Wilson, the phalaropes. Wilson's phalarope. You can see those at Hornsby Bend. Okay. Hornsby Bend is a great place to bird. I mean, you think about it and you go, I'm going to This might completely inform plant. the way I camp from now on because I, I, I choose for other reasons. Like my next trip to Davis Mountains is specifically. <gasps> great place to bird. Well, I'm, I'm looking for stars. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking birds. I was thinking I I, tr- I looked at the lunar calendar. When is there no moon? Because I want my kids' minds to be blown yes, by, by the, number the of stars, stars. And being able to see the Milky Way. Right. Mm-hmm. They have no concept. I keep on telling them. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, you can't see it in a city, so yeah, it doesn't make any sense when you're five. Oh, no, I got all sorts of lifers when we went to the Davis Mountains. They even have a hummingbird festival out there in August, which I want to see if I can get to. Yeah, festivals tend to be expensive, so I don't tend to do many festivals, right. but because you pay for each field trip that you go on and you pay to go to the festival right and have right lodging and all this other stuff and if so, part of what you really like is this the peace and solitude right. aspect then, then you're at a festival <laughs> right then you don't want a festival so. yeah but there are many ways to approach birding there are people who have more money than time and oh yeah they travel all over the world just trying to see what they can see which is cool too sure um i traveled a, a while um just for fun but at that time i wasn't really birding and if you get a birding trip, it's usually three times the price of a regular trip okay. because you're paying for the guides and their expertise. Yeah. So, yeah. Makes sense. Mm. It does. Yeah. So do you pair anything else up with your birding, like geocaching or anything like that? I do not. Uh, usually I'm out there for the hike mm-hmm. and uh, the birds are an extra. Okay. So. You know, there are places that I go just to bird, like at Hornsby Bend, 
um, the biosolids plant. Uh, do you know that's the number one place to bird in Travis County? There are more birds. At Did Marcy you say biosolids Biosolids, that's where they make dillo dirt. And that's the number one place. Yes, for birds. Amazing. There are more species of birds found at Hornsby Bend than any place in Travis County. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> second second best place to bird in Travis County is Commons Ford. Commons Ford is in uh, uh, southwest of Austin. Yeah. Uh, uh, Down where you used to live. What am I trying to think of? The road that it's off of. I, I have a family member who literally lives on that road and we used to go to Commons Ford all the time. Oh, that's cool. I can't think of what it's called. Anyway. They have totally nice restored the, the prairie there. It's pretty impressive. Oh yeah, I haven't been in years. Um, because it was just, I guess, cattle ranch and non-native grasses right. and things. And they went in and took all that out and started planting native grasses. So it's cool. pretty amazing now. What would you encourage people to do if they're if after listening to this podcast, they start considering the birds a little bit more? What would you encourage them to do? Just you mentioned a couple things early on. What what can we do? Like first to help the birds? steps. Keep, keep the cat inside. What keep else? The cat inside. Turn the lights off during migration times. Um, if you are so inclined, put out a shallow dish of water and keep it clean. Um, you can try and attract hummingbirds with a hummingbird feeder. You can put out thistle seeds for the finches. I have lesser goldfinches in my yard all year long because they come for the thistle seeds. You can plant um, some native plants that they tend to like. Uh, I have a red yucca that the hummingbirds love and a Turk's cap. So and this is at a, your house, yeah, which is in the in in the city. I would say it, yes. it, I mean, it's not it's like downtown, but it's in the city. Yes, I have a Round postage Rock. side size backyard. But within that backyard, we've Mark designed a little fountain so they would have running water, mm -hmm. made it shallow so that because, you know, you can't put like a five gallon bucket out there yeah. and drown. Um, oh, that explains some things. <laughs> so uh, you can feed them. Um, I would say go on a bird walk. Go on a walk with somebody who knows the birds in that area. And it's a real eye opener because somebody who doesn't know what they're looking for can look around and say, I don't see anything. And they can go with someone who can see things and see say, the... look right over there. Do you see that flash of yellow? All right. So um, I'm going to. I'm gonna create an event, and you're and you're about to you're about to get really busy. Yeah, you say Mar someone who knows Mary about G. birds. I don't think so. And oh, you're no. about to be a master uh, bird watcher. Uh, and no, there I am a <laughs> I am a neophyte compared to most people. But I you know. could get someone interested and started, and that's oh, all yeah. it takes, right? Um, in fact, the, the reason I actually did the master birder class was so that I could help on beginner bird walks because I get off on somebody getting excited over a cardinal or a blue jay. You right. know, everybody else goes, "Oh my god, it's a blue." Jay. I'm like, yeah, but look at the colors on the thing. I so, think when that's my local awesome. Blue, my blue jay in the backyard, he comes he comes around at a certain time every year, and and he's he's out off the back corner of my property. I'm guessing it's the same blue jay. He's just he's there, and I see him during a certain time of year, and he's big. I'm like, that's a big blue bird, they're, and he's and I can watch cardinals. him. I can totally watch them for quite a while. They are very clever. In yeah. fact, they can imitate a red-shouldered hawk or a red-tailed hawk 
amazingly well and they will let loose with that scream mm -hmm. so that every other bird in the backyard yes. runs in terror and then they walk up and feed at the feeders they're yes. very smart so I, am crows, I love them i am so sad that uh my mom isn't here because she has a big backyard full of I mean, it's, it's all wild yeah and they have nice. so many bird feeders out there and that's one of my parents favorite thing to do is to sit on the porch in the morning with their coffee and just watch all the birds i mean nice. it's all different colors and she's going to be jealous she missed this podcast oh, i don't have that but i have <laughs> had people come and sit in my living room and look out the window and say i could watch this all day <laughs> right i do <laughs> right absolutely so, so you mentioned when you first arrived, a trip that may or may not go down, <laughs> and, and and so let's talk about that. But also, let's talk about what you see for this year, your your potential plans. So, so for starting with the trip that's currently scheduled, okay, may or may not happen. So, I was we were about to leave um, on a long car trip out to Death Valley, mm -hmm. tent camping all along the way. And I looked at the weather data and discovered that it was going to be 30 degrees at night. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, so I put in like 20 other sets of dates. And I think what we've come up with is uh, sometime in May we will do that one because, yes, Death Valley will be a little hotter, but I will be able to sleep at night because right. it'll be more like 50 degrees rather right. than 30 degrees because 30 yes. degrees is no fun. I've done it. I don't care to repeat it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You've proved so, yourself. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty good at the roughing it thing, but there are limits. The, yes. Sure. I like warmth. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Any other ideas, whether they've solidified as plans or not for 2023? Oh, I always have ideas. Uh, in fact, the first thought that occurred to me when the trip got postponed was, oh, cool. Now I can go somewhere between now and then. And so I'm. I'm really tempted for a trip to the valley because there's a bird that's been hanging out at Benson Rio Grande State Park for months now, and it would be a lifer for me. And I keep, I keep hearing it calling, but then uh -huh. I would say, do I really want to drive 10 hours to see that bird? So all you lack is a driver. Yes. <laughs> so we can arrange. <laughs> I Wait, have, what I have bird a is it? It is a hook-billed kite. They are a raptor mm -hmm. with a very hooked bill, and they look sort of hawk-like when they fly, but huh. raptors are just amazing. Well, I'll tell you what, I have a niece who's got her learner's permit. She <laughs> just sit back and relax. <laughs> she needs some practice. <laughs> She's very responsible, so it won't be a very fast trip down. <laughs> oh. Very good. This has been fun. This has been, this has been a worthwhile reach out and, and find, find you look you up and catch up again. Thank you for coming out. Absolutely. And, and doing this. Love to talk about birds. Yeah, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have to research your other hobbies so I can have you on for another reason. Here, so. <laughs> Card yeah. making 101. I think uh I think I want, I think I want to stare at a bird for more than 10 seconds like, now. But in real life, not on a screen. No, in real life for yeah. sure. I'm okay. not one of those. Just watch them. They're fascinating. I know. I never you... forget the first time I saw a towhee. I was in a blind in a state park. And I see this bird put his talons into the ground and hop back. And I'm like, like he's what the, the Sam Hill was that? And he kept doing it, you know. Was he digging? Scrape, hop back, scrape, hop back. And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, he was trying to um, get some insects up. And apparently that is typical towhee behavior, but I had never seen it before. And I'm just going, what is wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I am feeling inspired to do some bird watching. Oh, yeah. 
And and the state parks, some of them have designated bird watching areas. And like you said, blinds. I think well, they have one at Inks Lake. And I know they have them at Pedernales. Uh-huh. I know they have them at other places, too. But one thing at the state parks is every once in a while, they will have a ranger or someone lead a bird hike. And that's a great way to start out because somebody yeah. can point out things to you. Love it. Love yeah. it. Very cool. Thank you again. This has yeah, been absolutely. this has been cool. I hope, I hope it's been fun for you as well. <laughs> <laughs> so pulled you out of your schedule. Everybody, thank you again for joining us. I hope you were inspired uh, to look at the birds, to, to, to maybe hike differently, maybe plan a little bit differently. Do something um, just like we said, the barrier to entry is low. And yet the fulfillment factor could be amazing going out there and really connecting with nature. So I hope this got your ideas going. Um, don't forget to look up the Texas Tiny Trailer Rally and the Texas Truck Camper Rally. I will say Bandera has some fantastic areas that I imagine the birds are uh, residing in or passing through. So join us out there. Um, and thank you again to Lance Camper for sponsoring this podcast, for making uh, so many things possible from this podcast episode that you're listening to, but also the trailer rally, the truck camper rally. They always do help us out. Lindsay, you got anything else? Uh, they make camping dreams come true. That, that needed like a jingle behind it, I think. They, that, need ca- they make camping dreams come true. Very nice. Very nice. And Mary G, I can't thank you enough for answering my call and Absolutely. coming away. All right, everybody. We will see you in the next episode of the RV Small Talk Podcast. And maybe we'll have PJ with us. And uh, maybe we'll just make her do it by herself. Bye. Bye.